You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Worth, I'm here. He's this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. We have a uh, special guest this week, Josh Berry, who uh, I, I was going to go right to uh, right to the conversation and uh, try to fool everyone, but I feel like in full disclosure, we need to say that Josh is a comedian and a tennis impersonator. He does terrific imitations, of, and uh, I'm not going to say more. We have a special event this week. We are at an ATP roundtable in Toronto, and we have Rafa Nadal right here. Rafa couldn't quite get through Novak at Wimbledon, but overall, a good summer. How are you feeling? Well, uh, the first thing I want to say is thank you very much no? uh, for me. It's a fantastic thing. I'm playing well. I'm playing with Cole, uh, and I'm also trying to learn how to speak English, but that one is very tough, so... Gonna keep working. Gonna keep training very hard. Uh, I ask Uncle Tony to maybe give me a dictionary, and uh, we're gonna see. And you, you had a couple of weeks off. Uh, how did you spend your, uh, your your time after Wimbledon? Well, uh, trying to trying to uh, find a pair of pants that's gonna fit me. Uh, I've been shopping a lot, looking at different pants, ones that's gonna have to be pulled out of my of my well. <laughs> Not fantastic. Uh, I am trying and I'm stopping all the time and I still have not found a proper pair. So it's tough. And uh, now we're going to bring in Novak Djokovic, who uh, is riding high after winning Wimbledon, back in the conversation. Uh, it's been quite a summer, Novak. How do you assess your game right now? Well, I think that uh, I have to say with my, with my game, with my personality, uh, I'm definitely the greatest tennis player of all time, which is which is nice. Uh, nobody likes me still, which is of course a problem. But uh, spiritually, mentally, psychologically, uh, physically, uh, spiritually, I'm feeling great on the court. What 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 do you expect from you uh, now that the hard courts have begun? What do we expect from you the rest of the summer? 
I think that uh, you can expect me to be very happy on the court until uh, one of the ball girls or ball boys does something bad, and then I will hurt them. <laughs> okay. Uh, but for the most part, I will be very nice and happy and will probably win everything. He's not in Canada, but we're going we're gonna to patch Roger Federer in uh, right now. A bit, bit of a disappointment at Wimbledon, but uh, we have another chance to win another major in a few weeks at, at the U.S. Open. Uh, Roger, how's your summer been? Well, you know, look, I have to say, uh, look forward to winning the U.S. Open. It's going to be great. Uh, I know that everybody in, in, in the States is, you know, really looking forward to seeing me lift the trophy again. So, uh, you know, you guys are welcome in advance. Uh, obviously, didn't win at Wimbledon. Wanted to give the other players a chance. Uh, of course, you know, I've been winning so much recently, and uh, so, you know, I thought I'd be a little bit nice at Wimbledon. And, uh, it's good, you know. I'm chilling out over the summer uh, in my palace with all of my servants, so having a really good time. And uh, we, Andy Murray, uh, not not in Canada, but uh, back back to playing tennis. We saw a big outpouring from him in Washington D.C. Uh, what what does the summer hold in store uh, for you, Andy Murray? Yeah, no, obviously. Uh, I'm sure you guys know that emotion comes so naturally to me. Uh, I'm actually uh, planning my career after tennis. You know, obviously it's great to be coming back, but I've got to have a few plans. Uh, I've got a couple of career paths that I might be taking. The first one is a motivational speaker, uh, and, and the second one is a stand-up comedian. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to go with, but yeah, it's definitely one of those two. And uh, J- John McEnroe, what, what do you make of what we've seen so far in tennis this summer? You know what? I'm just going to cut you off before the question because I'm John McEnroe. I'm the biggest ego in tennis. I mean, thank you so much for paying me the $10 million to give you half a, half a minute of my time. I mean, let me just let me just say, you know, let me just take a, a little bit of time to talk about Serena Williams. You know, I've, I've, no one asked me to talk about Serena, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Serena is not as good a tennis player as me, John McEnroe. I am the man constantly answering questions that no one asked. <laughs> right now, a few months from uh, turning 60, you, you're saying you would beat Serena Williams? I would, I would beat Serena Williams with my right hand, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't even be hard. She's, she is a good tennis player, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm John McEnroe. Win the U.S. Open. I'm going to win the women's U.S. Open. It's going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. What, what, what about the anti uh, John McEnroe? What about Jim Courier? Uh, what, what, what do you make of the summer? Well, I think for starters, um, I have to say that you know, Pat Novak and Roger early on in this interview talking about you know their their confidence in their game. You know, people. I don't really appreciate how awesome I am. You know, I, I am a supremely talented guy. Who was the last guy to win the Australian and the French Open twice? Well, it was me, Jim Courier, and um, I am probably the most handsome, charming, and fantastic guy in the world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, those were tremendous. Right. Um, you've you've made uh, you made our producer Jamie laugh so hard that she had to uh she had to put her sleeve over her face but uh those, those, oh. and i <laughs> great news we, you. <laughs> we, we we got to uh did, do you do australia do you do a curios yeah 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 i do i do so, so nick we're uh we're we're getting a little impatient waiting for a breakthrough uh you're you're very good at Fortnite. we're waiting for you to replicate that with uh with a big tennis result um yeah look um you know like obviously um I'm like trying really hard. Um, 
you know, I like to play tennis, but um, I just don't know, like, if my attention span is long enough to, like, last for, um, you know, like, a game. So, um, and, like, to be honest, I don't really think my attention span is long enough to last until the end of Fortnite's really fun. Uh, I like playing Fortnite. Um, I'm really good at it. Let's just talk about Fortnite instead. <laughs> All right. When, when did you? Uh, when did you, Josh? When When did you realize you had this talent? I mean, this this is, this is tremendous. Anyone that does impersonate, you know, someone says I'm a celebrity impersonator, and everybody sort of cringes. And here comes, you know, Christopher Walken and Jack Nicholson and the Terminator. <laughs> this is yeah. uh, this is next level stuff. When When did you When did you realize you had this talent? That's really kind of you to say. Uh, I, I've done impressions for as long as I can remember. Since I was really, really young, I would do impressions of like my family and teachers at school and stuff. And, I, and I'm a big fan, tennis fan, so I like started to impersonate tennis players when I was kind of 15, 16 years old. And then I had a video that went pretty viral online of me doing all of the all of the various tennis players. But now, you know, I do like I'm a stand-up comedian. I do a lot of straight comedy as well as like lots of different impressions outside of tennis. So that tennis was kind of where I have my birth in comedy, I guess, and, and now I've sort of expanded outside of that. Is it the uh, is it the accents? Is it this whole press conference format where it lends itself to uh, to, to mockery? I mean, why? Yeah, you're you're a tennis fan, I know, but uh, what, what is it about yeah. tennis that sort of led you to this? I think I think tennis. Well, I mean, I think a lot of sport, sport by its nature, there's so much media coverage of it, right? So we're hearing these athletes all the time. We're hearing what they what they have to say. And because the questions tend to be quite similar that they're posed, the athletes end up saying very similar things, right? So Andy Murray will always, in a press conference, go, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, right. You know, so, so in that sense, it's quite easy for an impressionist because you end up seeing what the, what the stock phases are that these people have, and it makes it easier to learn to do them um, in a way that is different with some other more complicated impressions where they're saying very varied things. It's harder to sort of pick up on what they like to do consistently. But tennis is, is, is easier for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how much of this, and I, I wish we, we had video to go with this because you also have some of the, the affectations, but how, how much of this is the diction and how much of this is, you know, the, the, like you say, the Andy Murray reflexively starting with this groan or the, the Djokovic laugh. I mean, how much of it is, is the words and the syntax and how much of it are the other mannerisms? It's a good question. I, 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 I don't know how well I can answer this, but what I would say is that, and, and I'm quite similar to some other impressionists that I've spoken to in this sense, when I'm trying to nail the voice, when I'm trying to learn an impression, I always focus on the voice first and the mannerisms happen to kind of stem from that. I never look at a person and try and do the mannerism and then the voice. So, uh, but, but, you know, an impression is all of those things. It's not just, uh, well, it, it can be all of those things or it can just be one or two of those things. You know, like I, I could do a, a solid impression of Nadal just with doing his eyebrow and people would be like, oh yeah, Rafa does do that. But it, like a good impression I think is, is where you have, yes, the voice, you have the, like the physical affectations and, and, all, and, the, and the words they use and the syntax and all of that kind of stuff. So there's, there's lots of different components to it, which I, which I try to capture and hopefully do capture when I, when I do impressions. Is, is YouTube uh, a friend or a foe? Sorry, what was that? Is, is YouTube uh, a friend or an enemy? And what I mean by that is, uh, obviously, this is how you popularize yourself. And I, I can sit here in New York and uh, watch you. But it also, I, I wonder if that also doesn't maybe erode some of your market when, in a couple keystrokes, I, I can watch you. What, what's your relationship with uh, with YouTube? It's interesting. I, I don't really consider myself as a, as a YouTuber, even though I started on YouTube. You know, like uh, 
Uh, I'm by no means at the level of someone like Bo Burnham, but Bo Burnham is a good example of this, if you know that sure, sure. the American musical comic, and comic is just incredible. He started doing loads of stuff on, on YouTube, and, but incredibly famous by doing that. But he then moved out of, of YouTube because I think YouTube has become, uh, it's become kind of dominated by people with enormous amounts of, 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 of viewers and influence. And that stops sort of younger talent from, from coming through in that sense. So I, I don't really think YouTube is, I wouldn't say it's a friend. I, I don't really, I, I think Twitter, to be honest, for me, it's been the biggest friend in, in this last year when I've been trying to promote myself because it's really easy to spread a tweet and get a lot of publicity that way. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, of YouTube just for that reason, because it seems to be like dominated by these, not corporations is the wrong word, but these like massive titans of YouTube. And, and so young talent, it's hard for that to rise up. Everyone should go uh, watch Eighth Grade as long as we're here. But I, I, I wanted to... Um... Yes, I, I, wanted, I haven't seen it yet, but it's oh, available terrific. in the UK, but I really want to go watch it. I'll, uh, it's terrific, um, for, for some of the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, but I, I want to ask you about the tennis players, because I, um, I, I know Andy Murray is a fan of yours. I, I saw you with Nadal, and, and ca- candidly, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not entirely sure what Nadal made of, uh, of standing <laughs> next to you. It was a very good sport of him, but I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, how he processed it and how he sort of me- mediated the situation. <laughs> what, what's been what's been the reaction among the players? Uh, the reaction has been pretty positive. It's been pretty positive. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's been upset with an impression I've done. I used to get really worried that Murray wouldn't like it because you know, he's, he's been a huge idol in, in, in my life. But he's been fantastic about it. And his whole family, Judy Murray, is really <laughs> encouraging and, and likes it. I've done Djokovic to Djokovic before and that kind of weirdly draws a bit of a blank from him. He just kind of he really laughed all of the other impressions I did, but when I did him, he just kind of it just didn't register, um, which was kind of weird. But oh, no, they're all good. they're all happy to laugh at themselves, I think. And I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think John, the John McEnroe one's a little bit more cutting, and I can't imagine he would be that keen. You know, who is this? You know, young blonde jerk saying all this nonsense. You know, that's probably <laughs> what he thinks. But uh, yeah, I, the, the response has been really nice. I would say. Can, can I ask what? What the uh, what's the end game? What's what's the business model? It's 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 great entertainment, and you make a lot of people laugh. But is is there a, mm. is there a career here? Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, I'm 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 speaking to you from the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. Somewhere that uh, I keep mentioning Bo Burnham, but somewhere he did he did live shows for, for a few years. You know, I do a lot of I've, I've segued into stand up comedy as a result of doing impressions of tennis players then impressions generally, and now impressions in stand-up. So I, I think, you know, I think there's a career. I love comedy. I love writing. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's been a really good way for me to sort of develop those talents as well. Can, can I ask you, I mean, it, it's a sort of interesting, I think, cultural discussion. Are, are there are there accents you would not do? Or would, 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 would you? I would not do. No, I'm just, I mean, just sort of um, candidly, you're, you're yeah, talking about... Culturally, I think yeah, culturally, exactly. there, there, are, there are why there are certain accents that would be profoundly offensive. You know, like, obviously, I'm a British guy. The empire was particularly prevalent for, for a, you know, a really long time. And so if I, you know, an African accent would just be offensive and unacceptable, I think. So that's because right. obviously it's not... I'm still benefiting from structures that the British empire has put in place, which, which damage... Uh, you know, uh, black people and African people. So I, I think that would be offensive and, and that's not something I would choose to do. But for the most part, I, I think most of it's fair game, as long as it's a good impression and not a sort of caricature. Because if, if you start caricaturing, that can where you, that's where you can get into slightly sort of dodgy cultural territory. 
but yeah, I mean, as long as it's as long as it's uh, accurate enough, I think I think it's fine. Do you, do you do women? That's a good question. I, I have a policy on this, and it's the same policy that I have. Well, I have a policy on this, and I have a policy on Donald Trump. The reason I don't do Donald Trump is because every impression exactly, is exactly. Donald Trump. Uh, and I don't think I think the key to being a really good impressionist is to do people that have never been done before. And people are like, oh, my God, I've never heard that person done. That's incredible. Amazing. Donald Trump has been so done that even a good impression of him is no longer impressive. I think on the women front, my policy on that has been and I've seen a lot of impressionists try and go cross gender. And I don't think I've ever seen it work. And, and that's kind of the reason why I wouldn't choose to do an impression of a woman, just because I think it just wouldn't be as accurate as the other ones. And I feel like I've let down the rest of the impressions. Um, but people want to hear it. People want to hear a Serena Williams. People want to hear that kind of stuff. So there needs to be a young female impressionist who, who, uh, who takes on that side of the market, I think. Are you familiar with, with Hannah Gadsby, the, the Netflix uh, Nanette, the special? I haven't seen it. I've heard, people, I've heard people raving about it. I've heard it's absolutely incredible. I, am I right in saying that the kind of one of the many points she talks about is like, how comedy puts you in a very self-effacing exactly. place, which is not very good for your mental health. And yeah, I think that I think that speaks to so many comedians. You know, it's true. So much of comedy is about self-humiliation, and a lot of my act is that. And it doesn't put you in the best place emotionally. So yeah, I, I think I think it's an amazing, revolutionary stand-up show. It's um, we'll, we'll add that. Add Nanette to the list after uh, eighth grade, but um, no, I, I think it, yes, it struck me. It's it's a lot of what you're saying too, and it's about cu- cultures and power. And as a you know white, mm. white white British male, there's certain you 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 can do Switzerland. You might not be able to do uh, s- some of the nations you had referenced before. But I also think it, it's interesting in the sense that she um, she does male accents, and mm. I I think I, I wonder if gender doesn't go a lot easier male to female than female to male for, for similar reasons. Um, yeah, I, well, but, but I think it's okay for her to do that more than it is for me. Just yeah, because, exactly. I'm a straight white male. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I have all of the benefits of, uh, that I could possibly have, right? Uh, Hannah Gatsby is, a, is, I believe, a, um, uh, a, a lesbian lady who, right. and, and that's that's a difficult thing. That's a diff- she, she faces a lot of barriers in her life, and so I think she has more of a right to take aim at people in power, you know, men and stuff like that, uh, in a way that, like, you know, because I I am that kind of I am that kind of person, right? It, it, it's more difficult for me to be. No, I'm not. It, it, it just like, yes. it comes across it comes across as me like mocking people who are in less fortunate positions than me, and, and exactly. I think it's really important to be aware of that, like comedically. No, I we're, we're exactly we're, we're saying the same thing exactly that uh, her mm. her imitating a white male is much different than you, for example, doing a, a Serena Williams imitation. I, I would submit exactly. exactly. How um, to be yeah obsessing and offensive to people, <laughs> which is you know which is not my intention, and, and sure. I'm very aware of those structures. That are no, and I, and I was going to say, I mean, uh, you know, you, you had a couple of uh, your. your 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 accents were fantastic. You had a couple of uh, of I, I would I would say biting lines, but this is let's be clear. I mean this is this is all in good fun. You're 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 satirizing, yeah, but you're not doing this mean spiritedly. Yes, that's that's the key. I'm I'm really glad you said that. That's that's kind of what I'm trying to do because I, I I started out you know just doing impressions like oh my god this is uh, you know these are, they were supposed to be accurate, but I wasn't saying anything funny. And, and the point now is that it is about satire. It's about creating characters. You know like John McEnroe being this sort of very outspoken kind of like granddad at Christmas telling racist jokes and people are saying, Oh, John, be quiet. You shouldn't be saying that. You know, that's not necessarily strictly what John McEnroe is like, but it's an exaggerated caricature of how he is. 
And that's what keeps it interesting for me. And I think that's what makes people enjoy it more because it's more biting, it's more satirical and it reveals truths that maybe they knew but haven't really fully appreciated before. I'm, I'm telling you, the press conference format plays into this where uh, this this is the only subset of athletes, I would submit, that sort of sits before a lectern after every match and gets peppered with these questions and they all have... You know, all the all we all do it. You know, we all have our fallback mannerisms, and we all the same way on the tennis court. Uh, players have patterns they fall into. You see that with uh, with diction as well. But how how long does this take you? I mean, if if a player, you know, we we had the Greek player we had Zitsipas on last week, and uh, mm-hmm. if I gave you X days, I mean, how how long would it take for you to get him down? It's a good question. It's, it's uh, impressions are a mysterious art, I would say, and and so. Uh, it's very difficult for me to say. I mean, there have been people who I have could do a solid impression of sometimes in like 20 minutes, but other people, you know, I spend six months and I can't, and I can't get it. It's, it's a bizarre one. And also, I think a lot of people have seen that when you can do an impression, that's it. You know, you, like, you've nailed the impression and therefore you can always talk about that person. But, but that isn't actually true. Impressions always get better. They always improve. Like I, I listen back to some videos I've done three or four years ago and I think wow that impression was really not anywhere near as good as it is now so <laughs> the fact is like impressions are never finished pieces of work so that that's a really important consideration but yeah I, I, I have no idea I mean maybe maybe hopefully a day but it could possibly be you know a year <laughs> what an unhelpful answer I've given you that no but it's, it sounds like uh not unlike an athlete you you have you have a base and then you build on it but I, I wonder I mean in, in the U.S. you have it seems to me you have character. Like Alec Baldwin does Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live. But, I, but I'm not sure there's a whole palette. I mean, I'm not sure he's got a dozen of these the way you do. Is, is there, are there comedians out there that, I, I don't want to say do you look up to, but sort of are, who's, who's the king of the uh, impression these days, not just doing one character, but having this whole palette? In the UK? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, who's, who, who's out there that you look up to? I mean, who's... Who's kind of the king of the impersonation? I mean, there, 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 are, there are some very talented people. I mean, I, so I, you guys probably haven't heard of this show, but like The Impression Show, it's probably, yeah, it's the equivalent of Saturday Night Live in the UK. It's called Dead Ringers, uh, which I was amazingly on a couple of weeks ago, which is a real, like, really humbling experience. And one of the best guys is a guy called John Coleshaw, who does fantastically varied impressions. He's, he's about 50 years old, and he does all the politicians. And he's, he's been in the impressions game for years. He is like, a, a you know, an impressionist, whereas... Alec Baldwin is more an actor, right, right. Who, who is doing impressions. But in the UK, we have a lot of people who are just kind of straight impressionists. Another guy called Alistair McGowan is very good. But that's not really my ambition. I don't want to be just an impressionist. You know, this is what a lot of the Edinburgh Fringe is about for me. It's about doing comedy as well, you know, like being an impressionist who is also a comedian. Um, I love both. I love both things and I want to do both things, but I don't want to limit myself, especially, you know, at 22 years old. I think there's a lot kind of other places that I could hopefully go. You ever heard of uh, the comedian Roy Wood Jr., one of the correspondents for John Oliver on The Daily Show? Do you, do you know that comedian? No. Who's that? So he's he's a terrific, He's I, I just saw him a few nights ago, terrific uh, comedian, uh, Roy, Roy Wood Jr., but he, he does a joke about Rod Stewart. And he admits, right. he, said, he said, I can't, I can't do, I can't do accents for shit. So just bear with me. And, and I feel like the <laughs> joke, the joke fell flat because he, would not do a, a British accent. And right. I, I wonder, right. um, I mean, I, it's funny because it's sort of the inverse of what you're saying, that you, you want to be more than mm-hmm. impersonations, you want to be a comedian, but I feel like if you're a comedian and can't 
do a credible accent, it kind of it kind of mm. kills the joke. Um, but what yeah. what do you? I mean, what, what do you, what do you say to a comedian that? I mean, how how do you get better at this? What what would you advise someone who uh, ha- has a bit that they want to do, but it in- it would you know it sort of necessitates doing an accent? Mm, I, I mean, I, it is important. I think it's not necessarily even an accent. I think just some kind of voice or sillier voice is, is really essential. We have so many comedians like that in the UK. If I, if I deliver, and I see this in my own stand-up, if I deliver a line completely straight, like I'm talking to you now in a very kind of conversational way, right. it's not necessarily funny. So much of doing comedy well is understanding about like how you like emphasis on a voice or saying something in a particularly silly way. And I think, you know, even if you're not strong at accents, a real joy is, is seeing someone who's very bad at accents, but they know they're very bad at accents and they're kind of admitting that as part of their comedy set. I think that's, that they can, there's really something funny that can be made out of that, you know, but I, I also think you just got to have one thing I've learned in, in you know, being in this industry is that you have to be, you have to have a go because you'll only ever get better by having more goes. If you're, if you're really underconfident then you won't ever practice what you're doing and you'll just, you'll stay bad. But you know, if you're confident, yeah, it might not be great at the start, but you'll definitely improve and get better and better. And, you know, by the end, you'll be fantastic, hopefully. <laughs> is, there, is, there, uh, is, is there one accent you just can't get? I mean, is there, uh, is, is there one you've tried hmm. that just for whatever reason doesn't work for you? Yeah, I, it's a good question. There are certainly ones I'm not as comfortable with, but can maybe get into a little bit more. Like Cockney in the, in the, uh, in the UK, I struggle with, like, you know, like uh, <laughs> Oliver Twist. Right, kind of right, right. English, I, I, yeah, that's that's a difficult one. But I, I don't know. It's but the thing is, like accents, accents are kind of a very broad term that we use to you know describe how people talk. But the reality is, different people are kind of even more complicated than just an accent, right? There are so many. Like Andy Murray is a good example because you know like Andy Murray is obviously from Scotland, but if you listen to Andy Murray's accent, it's not completely you know, like a Scottish person saying. So there's, there's more kind of subtlety going on behind the scenes with someone like that. And I think it's really important for, you know, that's, that's a really key, key thing to consider as well. Where, where are you from? Where am I from? I, I'm from, uh, from London in the, in the UK, as you can probably tell from my very posh white accent. No, but, um, I, but I, the, the, yeah. the reason... Uh, so no, I mean, I have, I, I'm right. kind of accentless, I would say, in the UK. The, the reason, I mean, when I'm in the UK, people say, oh, She's from Birmingham, and she, I forget a Brahmi or something like that, and, I'm, yeah. and and I I can't differentiate. I mean, I I know I, I can do Andy Murray versus Wales, but uh, Sheffield versus uh, on, Manchester yeah. is totally lost on me. To my to my ears, I can't differentiate mm. Manchester from Sheffield. Um, right, right. But it, but it sounds as though I mean your your John McEnroe sounds nothing like your Jim Courier. Uh, yeah. It sounds like you really have an ear for this. I, I, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I, I just I just listen a lot. I mean, I would like, don't get me wrong, I don't really know what like different, well, like, I know what like Boston sounds like and I know what different accents in the, in the US sound like, but yeah, I mean, I don't know strictly where Jim Career comes from. I know that John McEnroe's from like New York, right? But right. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's just the process and, and this is the, the same for any impressionist. It's just listening, 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 listening and becoming immersed within that person. You know, and, and I do that around my house where I'm learning a new impression, and it like drives the people I live with crazy because I'm constantly just like practicing little phrases um, <laughs> and just listening all the time. So yeah, it, it, well, you say I have an ear for it, and that's very flattering, but I, it's also it's also just a process of listening and listening and listening. You know, because 
it's not just kind of I have the ear and I can just pick it up and be like, wow, I can talk like that person. You know, it takes a lot of time to refine or at least can take a lot of time. It must be great fun living with you. I imagine your roommates. Uh, it's, <laughs> this is absolutely too- <laughs> not terrible. I just you know, I, it gets it gets uh, you know, past past girlfriends have been uh, been that pleased with me just doing voices all the time. But you know, it's, it's my job, so exactly. That's my- you're 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 on the clock. Uh, t- take us out with you know you know who I heard you do who's a, a a good friend and he's been on the podcast. We love you. You want you want to take us out with Robbie Koenig? Oh, you want to you want to finish with Robbie Koenig? Okay, all right, all right. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Okay. Oh, stop it! <laughs> You've got to be kidding. That's absolute jaw-dropping stuff. Like a mongoose on amphetamines. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Robbie's a great guy as well. He's, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. He's very willing to laugh at himself. He's one of the most fun ones to do, Robbie. Such a niche tennis one as well. No one else appreciates that impression, but it's, it's one of my favorite ones. That's terrific. And I, I always say the, the South, Afri- South Africans can like tell you to go fuck yourself, and it still sounds terrific. This, this was great, though. I, I want to be sure people know, where, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? You were just in, in, at, the, at the Edinburgh Fridge Festival, but where are you appearing next? Uh, plug, plug away in any yeah. accent you like. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, the, probably the best place to find out all of the information about me is uh, on various social media uh, platforms. So, so Twitter, where I'm at JB Impressions, or if you just type in Josh Berry Impressions, it comes up. Uh, I'm the same on Facebook, Josh Berry Impressions, and on Instagram. Or you can go on my website, which is uh, www.joshberrycomedy.co.uk, where there are all the future tour listings. I haven't got anything in America yet, but hopefully there'll be something soon, and I'll, and I'll let you know. And you have to come along. We uh we we need to book you in the United States. Uh, this was this Absolutely. was fantastic. This was great. You um you help color the tennis landscape, and uh, it's it's a real skill. You've uh again for for everyone at home doing uh Christopher Walken and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jack Nicholson. This is <laughs> this is a whole different level. Well, that's that's really kind of you to say. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And it's uh it's it's very fun. It's very fun doing what I do and, and, and I, I'm glad that it seems to entertain people so that's that's really encouraging keep it up and the uh, with, with with the big four uh, we, we, we hope they play forever but uh, with with the big four perhaps diminishing a bit maybe that will uh, create a market for some of these you got to work on your your, your Zverev and your Sitsipas and uh, Dominic T yeah you got to start winning big big exactly. matches though but yeah no you're right I've got I've got them up my sleeve but it's uh, you know I, I still think Rafa Roger and Novak, they seem to be the, the you know this year they've they've split the slams between them. So, but you're right, they are they are definitely on my radar. Two years from now, you're going to have uh, you're going to have Zverev in your repertoire. But uh, this, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Oh, um, <laughs> all right. This this is great. We're going to uh, we're we're going to hope to see you in the United States soon. Amazing. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Take care. <laughs> all right. Thanks to. Josh Barry, and we will uh, give all of his uh, social media information so you can follow him. Uh, that was a good conversation. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Jamie, have you stopped laughing long enough to answer some questions? Yes, you I enjoyed have. that, didn't you? Yeah, I had to. Well, I had to mute you a few times. You were the one too. Ca- cackling over here. It was. Uh, he's great. It was really funny, um, and he's very well spoken about kind of his career and his talent and how people perceive him um it was great it's really interesting nice fun one you have a you have a favorite impression he does um the rafa one is very funny <laughs> uh i mean 
Macro's dead on, so that's really it's just kind of creepy actually. He like just interrupted you, which was it was yeah, just right, all very right. well done. But I think that's part of it. I think some of it is it's the cadence and yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a little mannerisms and the exactly. Um I I would also I mean I think it's kind of an interesting it's, it's it's great fun. It's very funny. If you know tennis, you know the right, the, right. the Djokovic making himself laugh and McEnroe <laughs> answering a question that has nothing to do with the question that was posed. Those are all funny. But I, I do think it's kind of an interesting, broader discussion. Is it fair? I would ask you, Jamie. Uh, do do we feel a little weird about doing impressions and impersonations when it's not the person's first language? Can I throw that out there? Um. Yeah. I like in the case of Rafa. Yeah, it's a, it's a little different when it, John McEnroe. I think is totally fair game. I right. Don't know. I mean, I, I. It's funny. I laugh. Don't get me wrong. But I. I feel like it's a little different when you're satirizing someone not in their native tongue. Is it's that- true. I mean, that's probably why. Things, he says the things he does because it's not his first language, exactly. you know, and he stutters or he'll say no at the end. But everyone, you know, he says that, yeah, exactly. And he says, uh, I had some do-bits instead yeah. of doubts. Yeah, 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 But I'm thinking, I don't hear anyone, you know, no, no one in that you room know, giggling is asking the questions in Spanish. So. But I feel like I, I have, like, either close family members or things like that who, same thing, English is their second language, but they've, you know, been in the U.S. for... 20 30 years and they still have a bit of an accent and they still say words differently um and and kind of struggle to come up with the english word they just know the you know their native language word so i feel like he's been probably saying it for so long but i feel like kind of fair game he's right. not a newly speaking no english agree. Speaker. and I, I also i mean when you when you see this kid and he's a tennis fan and he certainly seems to recognize this is all it's comedy as well which i think you have to you know you can't get too give him a wide berth i I just can't be too buttoned uh, up about this kind of thing i I just i I do think it's interesting um just sort of culturally that uh there's some accents that are completely fair game and you and i could do a french accent and we could you know wear wear a beret to mock richard gasquet and no one would say anything and if it's you know kay nishikori we would probably think twice about uh Something similar, but um, in any case, uh, you do, you do accents. You do. Oh, I was gonna tell you, I am a terrible accent person, so bad, and so I totally appreciate the fact that he can do them. But then he also just the idea, like you were asking him about, um, how he differentiates or how he just the, like hearing about the little things he picks up on and right. how he learns it. It's so interesting. I would have, I could have talked to him for much longer. That's I like great. just ask him about how he does that. It's very impressive to me. The um. I'll say it again. I said it during the interview. I still think this tennis press conference where you don't really have that with uh, not just with athletes, but you really don't have that with other public figures. Right. I mean, we all know what Bono sounds like or Billy Joel sounds like, but it's not as though 80 times a year they're sitting at a desk and getting asked questions, some of them more substantive than others. And um, I don't know. I think it's, it's what, what he does, I think, is really terrific. But I think it goes to some much sort of deeper, deeper issues. Um all right, you want to talk a little tennis? Surely. Interesting week for the uh, sport. Not a banner week for uh, the sport. Serena Williams uh, played a match and won a game. Is that uh, historical? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, it's you know, it, it, this this was not a a big event, and she needs the match play. You, you wonder how seriously she took this event, and how much of this may have been uh, a, a tip of the cap to 
her management agency. Like we said, she's yeah, entered in a lot of tournaments this fall, which is unlike match, her. Match play, match play. But uh, right. I don't know how how concerned are you by uh, a I, de- I, defeat like that? I don't I don't think we can be concerned now. I think we're really far removed from the U.S. Open, as you said. Maybe not something that she really wanted on her calendar. Everyone sort of has these puzzle, puzzling losses here and there. I mean, obviously, this was kind of really big for her, but I'm not. She's not Serena. So worried. I'm not so worried. Well, that's the thing, too. I think there's there's a track record. Uh, you know, she, she loses to Madison Brengel and plays abominably, and two weeks later, she wins the Australian Open. I mean, there's there's a track record here. Right. Um, Roger Federer uh, pull, pulled out of Canada. Again, not not a great week. for. We had a lot, a lot of rain in, uh, in D.C. We had matches at Andy Murray, if you probably saw the clip of uh andy murray very emotional in his chair and the the time stamp on that was was after 3 a.m um it, then he pulls out of canada roger federer out of canada right it's been an interesting uh interesting a week little for bit the sport. of like a slow go into this summer yeah. season right that's sort of how i'm feeling like we're we haven't yet got totally the ball agree. yeah fully rolling here um but andy great moment for him i mean I, I don't know how much of that was it all just this this was a culmination of uh really two years of frustration obviously right. the last uh, the last 13 months in particular it's great to be back here it's great to be playing and winning seven six in the third but I also wonder if some of that wasn't uh, a sense of frustration and maybe he knew he wasn't a hundred percent shortly after that he withdrew from his next match and then Canada I don't know if he tweaked something he looked I didn't I mean, he did not look like no, uh, a looked, fluid mover during oh, that match no and at the end of the match like once the match was over and he walked to the net he looked very and I, I don't wobbly think he, I don't think he not, spoke am I wrong on this I don't think he spoke about it but obviously you you wonder what was the source of that emotion was that right sort of the I think it's probably a, a like as you said just sort of two years of of maybe relief maybe he finally felt like he was back but then if he did tweak something that could really be an event an occurrence that could spark something emotionally that like I've spent all this time I went through all of this played the played really hard I'm doing pretty well here and then yeah, this, this recognition I'm, I'm still not 100 percent. right I mean that's that's if that's what it is that's really tough I, I don't think he did I mean not unreasonably given what time it was i'm not sure he did press after that so i'm not sure he there was much of an explanation for him of what the source of that he did not um, he he looks he doesn't look 100 percent. no he doesn't and and neither and does this it looks almost painful like yeah, the, he looks like he's struggling there's something still not fluid it, about it his is, movement um, um not, un- unfortunately not that that hip injury is uh that's that's not an easy one for a tennis player um let's uh Let's see what happens this week, Jamie. Roger Federer is not in Canada. Andy Murray is not either. But we have Djokovic. We have Nadal. We have players. Leo Zverev coming off of uh, title defense in Washington. Remember, he's defending a title at the Rogers Cup as well. Last year, it was Montreal this week. I mean, uh, this year, it's Toronto. So this, I mean, I think these summer results are are interesting. But one thing that I, I think tennis needs to reckon with is the fact that the four majors are so big and take up so much oxygen that it sort of makes every other event on the calendar with a couple exceptions, maybe not Indian Wells, maybe not the year end, but do these summer events, they're, they're all sort of a, a sense of tune-ups. And if I'm 90%, do I still enter Cincinnati worried that that might undercut my performance at majors? I mean, I, I feel like the majors now 
And you see this reflected in prize money. You see this reflected in, in bonuses and contracts in every way. These majors now, to an unprecedented level, tower above the other events. And I think, you know, we, we can argue whether that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I, I think at least from the perspective of the other events, it, it's really to their detriment. And you see players really trying to peak for the four majors, and it kind of, I think, diminishes the, the other events on the calendar. Um, and I, I think this trend has been building for a while, but you really feel it more than ever, that uh, D.C. becomes interchangeable with... Right. <clears throat> I think they probably... I agree. I think... I wonder if, for some players, depending on whether they're at a certain point in their career or if they have, you know, they're dealing with certain injuries in a particular season, whether or not uh, just practicing on your own or kind of not entering exactly. in the grind of a tournament, maybe not taking that flight, structuring your summer in a, in a specific way leading up to the U.S. Open can really be beneficial. I mean, it stinks because there are so many great tournaments in this run-up, but... No, but I th- I think it's, that it's, it's hard. You know, these these athletes are, are rational actors, and whether it's it's Roger Federer and Serena Williams, or even whether it's you know go, go a, a tier down, whether it's Nick Curios and Madison Keys, do you want to be playing two matches in one day and rain delays and three a.m. and like you say flights, or do you lay low? You control your schedule. You get in some hitting. You don't push your body, and you're ready for the U.S. Open and the potential to win. You know. $3 million if you're Sloan Stevens and win the title. Um, but on the flip side, that the one thing I think about immediately is, does that put too much stake in a U.S. Open tournament? Like, does that, when you go to the U.S. Open, are you saying, oh my God, I feel two times the pressure because I didn't play all these other tournaments. I'm not, you know, everything that I've been doing for the past two months is now relying on this one tournament. So you get into that first round match, that second round match, everything I just did, you know, I didn't play all summer. Everything I just did was for this moment. And now I'm screwing up. Like, does that freak an athlete out and kind of put another layer of expectation on them? I don't know. I I mean, I think it depends on the player and where they are in their career. I mean, the good news about tennis is that there are four of these. So on average, every every 90 days you can peak. But no, I I think you're right. For these players who go really easy and really try to peak for the majors, you come in with an awful lot of pressure. That is to say nothing of ranking points and points to defend. And when you, you know, only play one or two hardcore events, um, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself when you when you come to the U.S. Open. But um, that is where tennis is going again. And the U.S. Open offers that kind of prize money. Uh, you know, play, play again. Athletes are rational actors. And it's incredible. We are only a few weeks out from the U.S. Open at this point. I mean, we have like three weeks. Three weeks, three, three three weeks, weeks from today. today. Yeah. L- literally to the minute, Jamie Lasanti. <laughs> um, Seriously, though. <laughs> you don't want to give us, uh, you don't want to take us out with one last accent. Uh, no, I'm terrible at accents. Okay. I really can't. It's and funny. It's so uh, embarrassing. My, one of my... my Partner in crime at Tennis Channel, Brett Haber, is very good at accents. Is he? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's terrific. Oh, we should have him. Um, he's not Matthew Berry terrific, I but know. for, uh, you know, you're killing time during a commercial break, and um, he's he, he does French very well. Um, you know, I want to um, be good, but I'm just not. There's, you know, there's nothing more cringy. Also, there's nothing cringier than oh, someone I'm, who thinks they're good and they're not. Oh, I'm terrible, and I know I'm terrible. Yeah, sometimes right, it's just exactly. Sometimes there's just a point for it, so you have the, to do it. The but. British accent that misses the mark is pain. It's 
yeah, you know, nails me. on the chalkboard to me. Oh, yeah. All right. That's We're me. not going to do that. All right. Um, <laughs> that will uh, that will do it for this week. Interesting podcast. We thank Josh again. Thank you, Jamie. Jamie, if people uh, wanted to leave reviews or if they were interested in uh, subscribing to this podcast, where might they go? You always team me up for this one. They should go on Apple Podcasts, Beyond the Baseline, leave us a review, subscribe so you get the little notification, and uh, keep sending us suggestions good right? suggestion was, for josh this was, barry this was a good one this was um, a suggestion all right Brian? last last chance you want to do that uh, announcement again in uh, cockney <laughs> no. all right um all right that does it for this week have a good week everyone we'll have another guest next week